I remember when I started thinking like that, it was a little bit frightening. I had a plan. I went through the usual educational system and then I could come out and become a school teacher for the rest of my life. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> Hey Wiki Hunters, welcome back to the Art of Photography podcast, where we share our passion as photographers and how photography brings us hope, purpose, and happiness. And today is such a special occasion for me, myself, to be able to introduce a world-renowned photographer who, I mean, you know, he's, he's just amazing. He's uh and uh, you will hear a lot about him, his journey, and what got him to where he is right now. Matt Peter Iverson, how you doing? Thank you so much for that very nice introduction. I... <laughs> um, it's uh, uh, it's it's when people introduce me like that, I'm always like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've only been here, like you know five years on this scene here as landscape photographer uh, been doing it full-time for five years uh, yep. so when they say world-renowned yes okay i i know how to use social media but i think that's about it right <laughs> oh you're very humble and i love that um and uh, look you know welcome to the podcast and i absolutely love having you here um you know your work in um the northern part of the earth is just amazing and i'm sure we're gonna get more into that but before we we get into um that part of it um share us uh, share us um a little bit about your journey and how you get to where you are right now um you just mentioned that you know you've been doing this professionally five years but what really got you here why do you want to be a landscape photographer um, yeah, so in, in, in the first half, it is by now, uh, of, of my photography career, which has lasted about 10 years time or something like that, I mainly focused on like very broad photography in general. And then I kind of went very much into portrait photography and headshot photography. And I learned all that and I figured out that there was people who wanted me to take the portraits and stuff. So I could earn a little bit there. Uh, I also did a little bit of video editing. So I, I kind of knew how to also make videos. So in that way, I very fast figured out that there is a market here that I can earn a few bucks from relative to in the direction of the job I kind of wanted back then. Um, and, and then at some point I, uh, I got a little bit more into landscape photography and then a tour to Iceland <clears throat> was obviously what set it off. Like, <laughs> I think that's what happens with most landscape photographers. So I, I spent like, uh, three weeks in Iceland. I had a little bit in the middle where I was doing some job stuff. So to cover the costs of that tour. Uh, but besides that, I had basically had two two and a half weeks all to myself photographing in iceland back in autumn 2015 and that just sold me like i just utterly fell in love with landscape photography and figured out that's what i wanted to do so i also recorded quite a lot of video footage back then i didn't really know exactly what i wanted to use it for like those uh, compilation videos two three minute compilation videos from different countries were quite big back then um, but I also fast figured out that I didn't want to exactly do that I didn't want to burn off all my footage in just one video which probably wouldn't even go viral and then I kind of figured out that okay I could make like a video per location I visited and then make it into like some guiding stuff in regard to Iceland and I think that set me apart as a landscape photographer on YouTube to begin with. And then it has basically just grown from there. That's fantastic. And so before you do photography, what were you doing? Were you always in the field of photography um, or were no, you- Not at all, not at all. Um, if we go way back, like after gymnasium, which is like the American high school, I went 
uh, I had I did my military service, which was only four months back then, and then I started studying physics and astronomy, which was what I wanted to do, like basically my entire youth. Uh, that lasted for three months. Then I figured out I didn't want to do that too much math uh, in that, but I still have my big interest for physics and astronomy and science in general. Um, so after that, I didn't really know exactly what to do. I've been a gymnast, gymnast and gymnastic coach for my uh, most of my teenage uh, life back then. So I kind of just figured that, yeah, I could start being a teacher. So I started studying to become a teacher. That lasted for four years. After that, I figured I didn't want to go out and be a teacher in primary school. Uh, so I... In Denmark, you get what's called a professional bachelor when you're a teacher. And after that, you can build a master's degree on top of that. So I did do that just after. And that took about two, two and a half years to get my master's degree in educational philosophy because I had a huge interest for philosophy. Uh, that spectrum between science and religion was super interesting for me. And after that, in the, that time where I was doing my master's, my interest for photography really exploded. Uh, and that was where I, along with studying, also could earn a little bit on the side. And then for the next couple of years, I was in that, should I go down the path of being a teacher or should I try to pursue this photography stuff? And after having, I decided to take a job in a photography store instead of taking a job in the primary school. Uh, and after half a year in that store, I figured out that the photography store working there is not the same as being a photographer. So I was just like done with that. And I was like, okay, let's try it. I'm young. I, I can, I, let's see what happens. I can always fall back and become a teacher in the, in the school system if I wanted to. So let's just pursue the photography stuff. And that was, yeah, kind of where it set off. Wow. That's amazing. And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's it's great that you have like tried so many different things. And, um, you know, like uh, me for myself, like I was um, I don't think I had that that um, um, that ability to be able to, you know, quit, um, especially where I was, um, you know, the, with the culture that I had. So um, it was um, really hard decision when I decided to pursue it full time. So that's that's really very courageous for you to to say no i think that's one of the hardest things is to say no fantastic I, I i would add to that that due to my culture here in scandinavia and our countries and how our systems are we are extremely privileged relative to the rest of the world in regard to making the choices that we want to take in and for our own life like we we don't have a huge student depth when we are done studying because well, technically it's not free for us to study. We pay it through our high taxes, but we do get um, money when we study from the state so that we can always stay afloat. So in that way, we are not forced out to anything. We're still free to choose afterwards. And, and that is, that's the benefit of paying like, you know, 40% in taxes. Like for me now, when I earn my own money, of course, it feels a little bit like 40% of all the money I earn is going <laughs> to the state. Okay, fair enough. But then on the other hand, you have to see it. And what do you get back? Like we have free roads. We have one of hopefully the best healthcare systems in the world. We have free school system. We, we are more or less able to utterly break the social uh, circle so that anyone can basically be the prime minister of Denmark. Anyone can be the head of a multi-million company, if so be. And yeah, personally, like relative to how many Americans think I would probably be a communist, but, but I, I, I'm really happy about the system we are in now. We are very, we are also a very capitalist country. Like it, I, I proud myself of saying that we're usually like, you know, 60, 40, because our taxes are like 40% ish. Um, so we're like 40% socialists and then 60% capitalists. <laughs> wow, that's so interesting. And uh, that's, that's, you know, that's like such an eye opener, I suppose, for people who don't like to pay taxes, <laughs> because mm -hmm. there are benefits that goes with that. Um, 
going back to your photography, so what was, you know, what make you love photography and want to do more of it, um, you know, as instead of your other passion in like teaching or gym, gymnastic, because you were just saying that you were doing a lot of gymnastic and I know gymnastic is a lot of fun as well. So what, what, what take that away from you and, you know, bring you to the photography world? I think that, well, in, in the very beginning, I, I could combine my interest for gymnastics with photography because I was taking a lot of photographs when we did gymnastics and I did a lot of videos and stuff. Um, but I also like reached the point, like I'm third. Back then when I stopped at gymnastics, I was 30 years old and it is considered an extreme sport. Like age does catch up. You can continue, yes, but it was getting a, a little bit tough. I can be honest about that. Um, and, and I think just all the way through my life, I've had this, <clears throat> I like to be creative and I like to maybe not create worlds, but I have a very vivid imagination. Also, I'm playing, I've been playing a lot of computer games like World of Warcraft and stuff. So I'm very high on when it comes to fantasy and, and all those things. I'm a real child of the postmodern era, uh, the 90s and, and early 2000s. So it's just what has <clears throat> shaped me. So I've just like basically followed what I wanted to do. And, and then when I hit photography, I very fast, I, I learned what a raw file is. And then I figured out, oh, that is how the professional photographers get the look they do. And I was still like, that was way before Lightroom. I was still working in Canon's own raw converter back then. So it, I was just like, okay, this is how they do, that's the secret. Um, and, and, and then the creative feedback loop, loop, I think in photography is just to learn how to paint. You don't have to like, you know, to have a finished product really fast is easier or faster in photography than it is in paintings, of course, it takes time to learn how to take great photographs and so forth. But I would say that, of course, having su success relatively early in the process is also a thing that helps motivate yourself. I'm not blind for that. Like I do take photographs mainly for myself and I have made my career in a way where I'm not hugely dependent on others and clients and so forth. But being in this creative workspace, obviously there is still an audience. So if I was only like only making photos for myself and didn't care whatsoever about others, it could also be hard to sustain a business because you can very fast become extremely niche and there might not be someone who is actually interesting, interested in buying your photos. So you, you always have to like, you know, probably find the, that golden middle part of the road uh, where you take a lot of different things into consideration uh, and then look down maybe a year or two ahead. How can I design my life so that I can solve the problems that might occur? So that's basically how I think. Uh, wow, that's yeah. that's amazing for you to um to come to that conclusion very uh, early on. You know, um, I think a lot of um a lot of photographer nowadays um might not realize that you know what you decided to do full time is to support your life. And mm -hmm. I know, like for me, it took me a while until I realized that um until I decided you know a, a business model that suits uh, that suits with me. Um, yeah that's that's a, that's really great that you share that um and what you know um sharing those um those journey that you have um to get to where you are and um, your whole thought process what are some of the challenges and have you ever come to like a self-doubt where you feel like hmm i'm not sure if i can do this you know like i like i know there's a lot of photographers having that and i know like i have that um 
all the time. So I'm wondering if that is something that you ever come across or where you always have this conviction in your in yourself that, you know what, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to make it happen. Um, yes and no, uh, because on the one hand, if somebody had told me like 10 years ago where I would be today, I would just have laughed at them. But it, it, it's not that I set myself goals. Like some people like to have a five-year plan. Where do I want to be in five years? And then I work towards that. I would hate to do that because I want to be in a position where I do not know where I am in a year. I remember when I started thinking like that, it was a little bit frightening. I had a plan. I went through the usual educational system and then I could come out and become a school teacher for the rest of my life. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I like to be in the position where I do not know where I'm in a year. And I just have to figure out how also to be able to sustain myself while at the same time make something which is meaningful for me. And that is where, yeah, as I said before, I'm trying to look a little bit ahead. How can I make sure that I reach that? It's not a specific goal. It's just the goal maybe of continuously being happy and feeling safe. Um, because if, 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 if I'm stressed about like my economy and stuff, I definitely less creative. Okay, if that's the case, then I need to solve the economy stuff first. So in that way, okay, should I take sponsorships? Yeah, yes, no, maybe I'm not sure. At least I can make my own products. Like I am educated teacher. I, I know how to teach. I can use that. And then I can make my own products and then I can sell that. Okay, fine. Now I have an income. So in that way, I can go and do stuff that is a bit more free. And that's, again, it, it's the thing, it's a balance. Like I can see when I create YouTube videos, which are doing less good, then I sell less and it hurts my economy. So I need to also figure out how to make videos that a lot of people will see. So I get more eyeballs <laughs> on my products. And that in itself is of course problematic in regard to, uh, to your creative freedom but nothing in this world is really perfect. So, so, so to get, get back to your question about is the things I have felt that I can't do? No, not particularly, but, but that's because I generally try to not put myself in a situation where I'm jumping out into way too deep water before I can swim. I, I, I am, I have always been the careful person. Um, I'm not the big innovative person who just hammers off and tries hundred different things, or throws hundred different things at the wall and hopefully something sticks. I try to learn from others what their success is so I don't waste my time and my life uh, doing stuff which is basically just a waste of time. Wow, that's that's amazing. <laughs> and when you break it down like that, that is really amazing how you, 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 you know, your whole decision making and um, man, like, for those of you who listen here and did not get that and you want to pursue it full time, make sure you rewind that because you know that that is, I wish I had talked to you like a few years ago, that would have solved a lot of my problem. That's amazing. And that's crazy. I love how you, you use this um, analogy of, you know, testing the water before you jump into deep, um, because that's, that, that, that's what got me, like, um, finally got me the courage to, to leave um, um, my nine to five job was being able mm -hmm. to try that. So I think that's a really important part to um, pursue your passion or whether or not you want to pursue your passion, I suppose, because, you know, um, yeah. so, um, okay, okay. I want to elaborate a little bit on it because again, yeah, I come sure. from a relatively privileged situation because I'm a Dane. I have a society that holds me up, 
but it's also that I have the security that I can always take another job. And and I didn't have to do that when I was building up my YouTube. Oh, you just froze there. Are you back? You were lagging? Yeah, you yes. froze for a little bit. All right, you okay. might need to you might need to repeat that whole bit. <laughs> okay, I I will do that. So just to elaborate a little bit on what I said, because I come from a relatively privileged position because I am a Dane. Um, but again, I positioned myself so I didn't have a huge amount of um, expenses. And I could live with my parents for a couple of years. And that is very uncommon for a person in Denmark when, when you're more than 30 years old to live with your parents. So that cut off a lot of the expenses that I would have had building up my YouTube channel. So I could spend all that time, I didn't have to earn money, putting into actually creating my YouTube channel. So, so in that way, it does come with some sacrifices, but I do know that not everybody can do that. I know that someone have to go out there and work a bartending job, like, I don't know, 18 hours a day or whatever the shifts are, and then have to sleep and only maybe work for an hour or two on their passion stuff. But again, it it's very much about like, okay, what do I have to do to get like on? So yeah, <laughs> I just so wanted you, to elaborate on that because so I know that- you moved back with your parents for a little bit, for two years, you say, while you're building this up. Yeah. Wow, okay. So I, I mean, that's a really good point, you know, like um, saying that, um, I mean, I, I, I grew up in Indonesia, um, you know, when my parents didn't have as, um, as much privilege. And I, mm. I know the difference now being, you know, in, in, in Australia, being part of Australia, um, citizen and all that stuff. But I think the big thing here that is important is that you, you don't feel entitled about it and you still make sacrifice, you know, I mean, especially, mm. I mean, nowadays, like, you know, um, I'm not sure if you ever seen Gary Vaynerchuk, but I have seen a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> yeah. And, he, you know, like that, that culture has kind of come back of living with your parents to make things happen. But, you know, back mm -hmm. then, I'm sure it's really um, unconventional to, to do that. So, um, yeah, massive sacrifice there. So, wow. Thanks for sharing that. That's amazing. You're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's a lot about like just going into that entrepreneurship way of thinking and that is very new to me and thinking business like i am learning so much about business i've always been like businessmen ugh, those guys who just do wall street and do shares and just like ugh, who are they like we don't like them uh, that's the socialist in me <laughs> but you you just have to realize that at least in most of the world we live in capitalistic societies and you have to be able to earn some money to sustain yourself and if you choose to go full-time on landscape photography you are from the very beginning positioning yourself in a very bad situation because if you want to make money you should not be a landscape photographer um, but i knew that i i just find landscape photography so meaningful and i really enjoy it and having that creative part of me is very fulfilling so that obviously makes up for me becoming ever a millionaire but it's it's fine. Like I'm, I'm doing fine now, but for the first two years, I didn't earn anything. Like, um, you know, I think that's something that's really important is that, um, you know, you said earlier about that. Something that really strike me is that you, you cut down your expenses as well. You know, you're, you're not living beyond, um, people means, uh, your, your own means, right. Um, cause I see that nowadays, a lot of people are complaining that they don't have the money to support their creative lifestyle when they keep, eating out every single day and you know buying this brand new stuff and you know so that's wow that's that's really cool to hear that you know mm -hmm. i think um a lot of people can can learn from that and should learn from that being just being humble and actually um you know keep things to the um minimal while you're trying to make things happen yeah yes. i'm really happy for for one of my friends nigel danson also an, another photographer that I can like bounce ideas off with him and we talk a lot and, and also about like YouTube and how to make money and like he has to sustain an entire family. He has wife, dog, three kids and, and a house. I don't have that. <laughs> so he, he has to be even more focused.
on that. And and of course, it it's it's just part of it. It's part of the job trying to earn money. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, I want to go back to um, you know, you 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 mentioned earlier um about when you want to make it in um in this industry, you need to learn um how to make money of it. Um, obviously, right. Um, and you say that you know become um, learning the business side of it and the entrepreneurship. And you said that um, when you first started, you, you didn't like that part or that aspect at all. So um, can you share with us a little bit um, what, what got you there or what did you do to get you to that mindset and learn the business side of things so that you could actually thrive as a landscape photographer um, and not fall back to, you know, I suppose being a teacher back then. I think the main push I needed, and that again, I have to thank Nigel Danson for, um, I was doing a workshop with him, uh, in the Faroe Islands. It's like two years ago, actually, exactly. Uh, now, and <clears throat> I was just doing the presentation I, I have for, for the group about like basic photography and, and stuff and, and him and another guy from the group, they were like, mess, you need to, to create some maps that goes along with your videos. It, it's so obvious. Um, and on, on top of that later, I also made an, an ebook. Uh, it's basically just showing and sharing what I know and how I think and realizing that there was actually uh, people who were interested in learning from me was you're always like when it comes to self-worth like is what i create really that interesting is it really that new but that's the thing like you don't have to invention like the deep plate one more time you don't have to invention socks or anything like they are more interested in learning from you. They follow you more than they, they want to get into your mindset. Like they could go out and find all this information by themselves. Like how much have we really pushed photography the past 10, 20 years? Like it's still the same compositional tools that we use. It's same still the same kind of storytelling and, and, and so forth. Like the, the, the tools have changed a little bit with Photoshop and Lightroom and how we edit and process and the camera has changed and the technology do, but the creative part is more or less the same still. So in that way, when, when I make educational content, from what I hear from people who get my stuff is that they really enjoy the way I teach it. So I, I think it's getting that push from someone else that they tell you that what you are, you actually have something of value here that you ought, that you can earn money from uh, basically. And, and that was like, okay, let's try and see what happens. And luckily it, uh, it worked out. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's uh, kudos to you um, making all that happen. And, um, you know, I know you say lucky it worked out, but I'm sure there's a lot of hard work. <laughs> of course, of course. Well. Like, you know, it's, you, you apply what you have learned, but it's, uh, yeah, it's probably not luck, but it is work. Like, it is what it is. Like, I don't really believe in that talent stuff either. So it's work hard work you just work 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 <laughs> and yeah at some point you'll reach there awesome yeah so um so you mentioned a lot um about nigel and was was he your mentor and your inspiration that got you into um you know uh, when you try to find creative site in photography or do you have um other things or other methods that you kind of in tune to get that creativity um, because you know like after a while um, as a photographer sometimes we can get so fixated on you know just the composition rule or you know the the foreground midground background the rule mm. of thirds you know so how do you get out of that um, that 
that rule and actually create something that is unique again and um, that is you know that makes you excited again well to begin with what made me excited was just that i figured out how to actually take photos even though like there's this sentiment within landscape photography that you shouldn't go to all the famous locations and, and take the same photos like everybody else for me it has been a huge part of my learning process because i figured out firstly specifically how the cameras work i found out all the different relations to each other um, over time i've also built up a portfolio where I can go through it. Okay, what kind of photos do I actually prefer to make? Like when I went to Iceland to begin with, like I just long exposed everything, like just 10 stop filter on and just like two minute long exposure, everything. As if people follow me on YouTube, they see that I hardly do that anymore. And I figured out it was a look like that very, very long exposure. It's, it's just a look that it, doesn't really do it for me. Uh, I don't mind like, you know, like half a second uh, shutter speed for waterfalls and, and small waterfalls and stuff. But when it comes to big waterfalls, I, pr I actually prefer them just like, you know, fast shutter speed. So you actually see the waterfall. It's just not like, you know, a sheet of white. <laughs> um, so for me going to all the iconic places and there are so many more iconic places I want to photograph, but that's mainly because I am attracted to also the cultural stuff. Like why do we go to Paris? You go to Paris to see the Eiffel Tower and, and the Louvre. Like you don't go to Paris for, I don't know, exploring it in down in the most deep places. Like maybe some photographers do, but most tourists go to Paris to photograph. The Eiffel Tower and I think that when you start out in landscape photography it's more or less the same thing and and then over time you try to be a little bit more original at those different iconic locations and from there on you, you get your mind of your own and you start to recognize the patterns and you start to recognize what it is you like to do so you can maybe go out in another mountainous area and you can see okay this mountain kind of reminds me a little bit about this other composition I have. Maybe I can do it here. So you use the same compositional tools to make a photo, which is more or less like alike one of the classic compositions. It's in a new location. You can always ask yourself whether or not it's original or not. But again, I don't believe that you have to go 100% original because the viewer of your photo still needs to be able to relate to that photo somehow. Else you just jump out into like, visual anarchy <laughs> and I don't mind being original and innovative but what I've learned when it comes to being innovative is that if we throw everything we know into like a box uh, of information you have to be there on the edge where you can just push the edge you still need to be where most people can recognize what it is you're doing whether you're doing it in a new location or you're adding a little bit of new elements to it and so forth it's extremely hard to be original in landscape photography these days whether or not you swap out skies or you don't swap out skies whether or not you go gung-ho with editing or, or you are more like you know tra traditional one exposure and this is what i saw being original in landscape photography is just extremely hard and all that stuff with it should take a lot of effort like some most of my original photos is, is taken very close by and first and foremost because it's locations that nobody else goes to but also because that i can really just play around with a lot of more things that i can't do when i'm out on a photography tour like i plan my tour i'm going to locations that I find interesting. And then in between those locations, I might stumble upon something which is more or less original. But then again, like how original is it when you're just using the same compositional tools that you always do? So it's a long discussion when it comes to originality, whether or not it's, it's even a thing uh, anymore. But um, yeah, I can talk about this for a long time, but I think the conclusion is just like in the end, <laughs> whatever. Nobody cares. <laughs>
that's really interesting you know um how you put it there and um it's it's funny when you say you know like um one of your some of your most original photo are shot close to your your home and that's because not as many people visit those places because they don't see it as you know the the iceland and stuff like that so when when it comes to photography especially nowadays it's like you know a lot of people argue that it's like very oversaturated and a lot of people try wanting to be able to separate themselves from other photographers and stand out um what are what would be the advice that you um you will you can tell those um um the people um to be able to separate themselves from other photographers so that they can stand out the easy answer is just don't do what everybody else is doing but that's like stupid um <laughs> Uh, again, it's a complete cliche, but just do whatever you want to do. Like, don't listen to the noise. Don't listen to other people telling you what you should do. Um, depending on where you are in your career, if you're living from landscape photography, you need to take that into consideration. Not every photograph you take has to be like the most introspective, deepest photo and most original stuff you had that humankind has ever seen. It doesn't need to be like that. Um, sometimes you just have to go and take a photo in full daylight of like a town and that everybody else is taking and sell it as a stock photo. Like if that's what it takes to create income. Um, I'm sorry, I'm all, all, um, I, I keep blabbering out. Uh, what was the initial question? <laughs> That's that's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, hold on, let, let me just go back to that because I think it's really important how you separate um, some of the, the work that create money and some of the work that doesn't create money. So that's another um, another good point in there. Um, but I suppose what what I was um, asking um, was um, how how do you differentiate um, your photography compared to other people um especially if you kind of just started out right oh yeah yes okay so um we usually see that every three years or so the trends kind of shift like back in 2017 everybody had like a very specific style on instagram like yellow raincoats and desaturated colors and blown out skies right you, you don't really see that anymore like it was a trend and I think many of those photographers who did that back then, over time, if they're still doing landscape photography, has kind of probably branched out and doing something now, which is more them in the sense that they probably, if they're still here, have found something which they relate more to. And, and I think it's like when I started out, I just went straight into that ugly HDR photography. Like looking back at it, it looks like crap. Like it's so terrible. But, you know, you, you figure things out by mistake over time. And if you stick to the subject you're in, in my case, landscape photography, you you over time just figure out what you want to do. And if you can do that, then I think that slowly you do, maybe not develop a specific style, but you do something which is more aligned with you. And to say another cliche, you are the best at being you. So like I have had, when I've done a lot of my workshops and stuff, I've been exposed to quite a lot of like, older landscape photographers maybe started out doing analog photography and, and their way of approaching it is different from mine. And there's also the saying that uh, once you're done with the epic vistas and epic landscape photos, you go more into abstract photography and maybe some more black and white. I have tried both and I see the abstract patterns. It's just so utterly boring, at least for now. Like. It's just not me. And when you have, when, when there's like this meme in the entire landscape photography community that when patterns and abstract photos kind of start to trend, 
because a lot of the influential photographers start talking about that uh, you have to find stuff for yourself and you have to do it for yourself and what they are doing is abstract photography then <laughs> the herd mentality is that everybody goes into abstract photography and suddenly that's the thing that's the trend uh, and I think it's trending quite a lot right now, uh, abstract photography and, and, and that stuff. But I know how to do abstract photography. I see those patterns myself when I'm out. I sometimes photograph them. I have an entire section of abstract pho photographs on my website. But the longevity for me is not in abstract photography. Maybe it is in 10 years, I don't know. But for now, I am, I'm way more like, if I'm moving away from the epic vistas, I'm much more into like forest photography by now, much more atmospheric photography. It's not, I wouldn't call it an intimate scene, but it is much more focused on a calm scene rather than the epic wide angle scene with a strong foreground. I still like those photos, and you can just see here, like obviously people can't see it, but on my wall here hanging behind me, like it is epic photographs, but they don't have like that very strong foreground that is almost falling out of the photo. So what I want to hang on my walls is I'm also trying like, again, I said, like, I haven't been here for five years. I'm still figuring out stuff myself, <laughs> like what it is I like. So I like the epic vistas, but I don't want them to yell in my face. And that goes against what works on the social medias, because funny enough, those are the photos that makes the most wow when you see them. And if anybody's following me on Instagram, like it's obvious how I'm working Instagram. Like it, it's each time, like I usually try to uh, put out new photos on Instagram each week. And then I figure out if they work or not. But if you want to do Instagram and, and use Instagram to reach a broader audience, you can't expect putting up photos that doesn't work on Instagram and then get a huge following. It's just not how it works. Like I wish it was. <laughs> I, I have a lot of things I can complain about Instagram. But in the end, when it comes to these social medias on a mass scale, it, it basically like, of course, Facebook can change the algorithm a little bit. Like just over the past two months, like my reach has been cut in half. It's frustrating that I'm getting less reach now than I did when I had 80,000 followers. Now I have 10 times as much, it makes no sense. But you, you, you kind of just have to do what you have to do when you are working on these platforms. Um, and yes, that that can, of course, limit your creativity. But again, that's a problem you have to solve over time. And I'm doing my best to solve it. Uh, but again, it's trying to find that middle road. And I'm also, yeah, I'm taking photos that I don't want to hang on my wall, but I know that they will work on Instagram. So I'm not photographing specifically for Instagram, but when I recognize that here is a scene, here's a photo that will work on Instagram, okay, then I use it for Instagram. It, it's like... If, if you had a store, it's like what Gary Vee says when, when he, he made his, uh, his wine store, built up his dad's wine store, like you don't put your garbage wine in the window. You put the best wine in the window, right? You put the wine out, which get the attention to get people into your store. You have to take that into consideration when you're living off of landscape photography. In many ways, it's a big privilege not having to live off landscape photography because then you can go and do exactly what you want to do. I need to take that extra step where I do what I want to do, but also try to earn money from it. And, and yeah, it, it's not always easy, you know. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I love that. I love how you're keeping it real. Um, you know, I mean, like, um, especially with a lot of this pressure with the social media, I know that more and more people are saying, you know, like, oh, just shoot what you like and, you know, do, 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 do what make you happy. And as important as that may be, but I think it's important to recognize that Instagram is more of a marketing tool. Um, mm. you know, 
So um, it has most certainly been designed to that over the past five, six years. Yeah. And I love how you how you keeping it real by just, you know, laying it out. You know, you have to attract those people at the end of the day. It's that's how marketing works. And yeah, that's that's a really good point. That's a, that's great. And by the way, I love your forest of photography as well. I feel like um, you were able to find um, the grand thing in the boring, the most boring scene. Like I remember I watched some of your reels and I was looking at it. I was like, you know, it's, there is a path. I remember there was like a gate and then you're like showing and then I saw the photo that came out of it. I was like, wow, that's incredible. So what were you looking out when you were approaching a, a landscape or a scenery that doesn't look as interesting to make it, you know, to make it interesting? Oh. You cut out again. You were lagging a little bit there, so we <laughs> okay. may have to uh, repeat the repeat question. that again. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I was just saying that um, I love how you find um, the grandest thing on the most boring stuff. And, you know, I remember when you post that reel, you were, um, I think, walking on this path with this like brown gate on the side and you were showing the scenery. And, um, you know, you have some of coolest like photo of just like forest. And there was just so many interesting in that. But when you, I think when a lot of people kind of approach that scenery and look at it, it might not look as interesting. And when they see your photo, just go like, where did that come from? So what I'm interested about is how do you approach a scenery that looks boring? You know, that looks, that doesn't look, that doesn't have the epic vista, as you say, to create that photo that is still appealing and beautiful. Oh, I think it comes with experience. Um, I rely pretty heavily on editing, like 50% of my photos is usually down to editing, even though that the scene might look good on video. When you see the raw file is often flat and boring, it's completely unbalanced in regard to where highlights and shadows should be. So in that way, I very much like at, at the very least in my forest photography, dodge and burn quite a lot with different techniques. Um, but I think it's just it's a question about experience that over time you start to recognize those patterns which you find aesthetic it's very hard to put into words because it's just such an, in, an internalized way of seeing um i approach a scene like if if i know okay here is a cool tree here's a cool part of the forest that i've explored then i have a pretty good idea how the compositions are go out i try them out figure does it work with fog does it work with the sun coming in somehow and, and all those things so in, in that way it becomes uh, you practice and then you wait for the good conditions and then you actually basically just have to go out and click the shot all right it's like you have done all the preparation other times it's just like you're walking around and then you see something hey that's pretty click and then it turns out to be a really good photo and I think the more experience you get, the more you recognize, oh, this is pretty. Like the more you you yourself are like, hmm, that works. So yeah, it it's it it's very much about just going out and shoot, 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 get a lot of inspiration from others. Um I don't mind people emulating my photos like they will find their own way over time it's <laughs> the, people must have a really sad life if they are just going out and completely copying all my photos that's <laughs> that that doesn't last long i i assure you um so at some point you do reach a place where you're like uh, you you just start recognizing and taking your own photos you do get much more like you know um I would say mental health, but much more like positive feedback from yourself if you figure out something by yourself and you feel that what you're doing is more and more, uh, yeah, should I use the word original? But at least like it, it's not just like going out and copying what someone else is doing.
That's really interesting. So I was wondering, you know, you've been in this journey for a while and you've, um, you obviously have worked very hard to get to where you are right now. Um, I've worked you... a lot to get where I am, maybe not hard. <laughs> <laughs> and like during that journey, do you ever like come to a place where you were like, where you were burning out when you feel like you don't want to do this anymore? Um, like, is that ever come across within your journey? And if it does, yeah. what what can you do to keep this journey sustainable in the longer term? Because I think the reason why I ask this is because a lot of creatives nowadays are very ambitious and they, you know, they see people who are succeeding and they go like, yes, I want to get there like in two years time. And um, unfortunately, a lot of the time, um, because they were hammering so hard on it, they, they get really, um, they don't understand how to make it sustainable, both on the mental side, as well as, you know, in the, in the money side, because it's, it's a marathon, let's face it, it's a marathon, mm -hmm. right? So what are some of the, um, you know, if, have you ever come across those situations? And if it, if it has, what are some of the advice you can offer to some of the newer um, creatives who's kind of like, you know, in the beginning part of their journey? Hmm. Mm, yeah, I, I can only speak for myself, but yes, I, I of course have reached periods where I've just been like, Ugh. Um, I remember especially like, by the end of 2019, I had been doing a whole lot of workshops in Iceland and it was just like the same locations again and again and again. And you're saying the same things again and again and again. And even I really like doing the workshops and spending time with those people who attend the workshops. That's always interesting. Super nice people always. Um, but the work in itself does become rather repetitive. Like I still enjoy like going to the ice beach in Iceland. I can spend hours there just and, and I'm even thinking of just like going with my girlfriend to Iceland this summer because we haven't been to Iceland together yet. There's a lot of things, a lot of places I want to visit. Um, but after 2019, I was really like, oh, burned out with, with the epic vistas. Um, and I got a much more... I got much more interesting in exploring Denmark and photographing in Denmark, uh, which luckily came together with the pandemic where I couldn't travel. So luckily I had my interest for photographing in Denmark before being forced to having to photograph in Denmark. Um, so, so, so in that way, uh, that, that was like an, a really nice energy boost and also going much more into forest photography has been a very big energy boost because um, my parents' house is in a forest. I've grown up in a forest. I relate to forests. And that is why many of my favorite photos are from, like, they're very, very local uh, because I relate much more to those photos than I do to my Iceland photos. I'm happy about, like, my big epic vistas from Iceland and my travels and, and all that stuff. Uh, but it is nice to also get that extra part where it's more local and and it's refreshing it's different way of thinking rather than only doing <laughs> the epic stuff so mixing it up figure out what you like to do maybe from time to time force yourself out um, it can be hard to get out and up four in the morning I'm the first to say that. Uh, and you might not get anything which is particularly interesting, but chances are you are. If you just come prepared, like if you go out a, a summer morning and it has been a cold night and you're aiming to get to a foggy uh, location, like go, go to a place with a varied landscape. Again, I know if you're living in the middle of a desert, it's probably a little bit hard, but then you have to just be innovative about how you're thinking uh, about approaching these things. Um, so, so for me, it, it's seek out those special conditions, maybe rather than seeking out specific locations. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to really answer it because I'm still so young in it. I'm still so passionate about it. So that's those 
very small down periods where I'm like, what? This is boring. Like two weeks of just overcast weather and no snow or whatever. Like in the start of December, like last year, 2020, that was a bit like dark period. Um, but then you just do something else. Like it's, uh, and then it usually comes back. Uh, interesting. I like how you say, you know, you don't necessarily seek out the location but seek out the condition i think mm. that is um i never really think about it that way but it's it's very true because it doesn't matter you might go to the same popular spot but a really unique condition make that popular spot unique altogether so that's really interesting way of looking at it wow man it's been like amazing conversation i love how just seeing how you approach this you know and um the way you approach uh, photography as well as being a full-time landscape photographer uh, we're kind of coming to the one hour mark here and i always ask every guest um that come into um the podcast um if you have one advice that you can give other photographers out there that you feel this is the most important thing that a photographer should know. What would that advice be? Do what you want to do. Don't listen to the noise. <laughs> it's okay. It, it's okay to do the trending stuff. It's okay to do all the obvious stuff. At some point you, you will reach yeah, a point where you start becoming more original and just, just, just follow your own wishes like of course within the law like in ethics but <laughs> do whatever you want to do that's great that is great um you know like um in in just late last year i had i had this burnout and the main reason of that burnout was you know i wasn't doing what i want to do i was um pressured to um um to do the things that i need to do and you know that advice is so important it doesn't matter if you like you say, it doesn't matter if it's going to be a popular spot or whatnot, but being able to do what you want to do is really important for your mental health. Wow, that's amazing. And um, absolutely enjoy this conversation. Uh, conversation. And, you know, you have beautiful photos, um, beautiful um, imagery from um, especially um, the north part of the world. Um, where can um, the listener find you and see more of your work as well as learn from you if they choose to? Um, yeah, what's the best way to find you? Uh, YouTube, you can just Google my name. I'm probably everywhere. Uh, so YouTube and Instagram um, and, and of course my homepage, uh, which is a little bit of an odd homepage name, but it's MPI, like Mess Peter Iverson, MPI and then photo, P-H-O-T-O. Uh, dot dk for denmark and uh yeah so mpiphoto.dk and youtube instagram and that's it uh i have my ebooks uh, on composition uh how i think composition i talk about it as compositional tools i don't like the word rules uh, it's more like you see a scene you approach the scene and then you can maybe like think about, okay, is there some kind of leading line I can use? How is it with separation between the trees? And what can I do to show scale if I'm in a mountainous area? If that's the point of actually showing scale, should I go with the long lens? Should I go with the wide lens and all those things? Should I do horizontals? Should I do verticals? Um, so yeah, and then I have, of course, my huge Photoshop for landscape photographers from beginners to advanced uh, course about post-processing. I'm sharing everything I know about how I post-process my photos. Uh, if you're a complete beginner and you wanna get started, uh, it should work really well for you. I haven't heard anybody who said that it was uh, much too advanced. Uh, and yeah, so it's like 19 hours uh, of, uh, of editing tutorials. So there's a lot to uh, dig into. Um, very uh, systematically built up with a lot of different ways to like approach a specific way, a specific look and the look I have. So yeah, that was it. Fantastic. Yeah. I'll make sure that all that links is on the, on the description below, but 
Wiki Hunters, thank you very much for tuning in. And um, I hope you get a lot of this gem, a lot of this wisdom, and hopefully you are taking notes and as well as thinking about, you know, how to um, implement all a lot of these things in um, your way of photography. Mads, it's been incredible having you here. I love um, just the way you actually um, think and, you know, um, chunk down a lot of the, the, the decision process. And that's definitely um, helpful for a lot of people, uh, you know, as, as well as myself to kind of understand that, that way of attacking of what should I do next? And, you know, what are ways, um, what are the different ways we should do and stuff like that. So thank you very much. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you uh, sparing your time and to be in this podcast, sharing your wisdom um, with the listeners. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a great pressure. Well, there you have it, Wiki Hunters. And um, if you haven't already subscribed, so don't forget to hit the subscribe button. But apart from that, I'll see you guys next week.